Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Tyler Orton, reporter here at Business in Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. So new data from Statistics Canada reveals that retail sales fell more than 26% to $34.7 billion in April. This is going on, of course, as the economy was grinding to a halt during the pandemic. But guess what? The economy has been opening up a little bit more and more in British Columbia, and it's actually going to be ready for the start of phase three. But no recovery is guaranteed at this point. And to get some insights into what's going on in the retail sector, it is Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief at RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks for joining us at the show. Thank you for having me. So uh, first things first, you know, these are the April numbers that came out of Statistics Canada. We have May numbers coming out next month. We'll have to wait a little bit. But do you get the sense that there's pent-up demand right now as more economies across the country begin to reopen? Or do you think there's some concerns about just how much discretionary spending people have at a moment like this with so much economic uncertainty? Actually, a little bit of both. Um, We have certainly seen... uh, with retailers and uh, in some cases, food service businesses, uh, definitely uh, an increase in demand, uh, you know, that pent up demand, some might call it revenge spending in some stores. Uh, I, I would say in some cases, absolutely. Uh, hair salons, uh, uh, you know, I think in British Columbia had certainly seen an incredible demand as, uh, as they were permitted to reopen. Um, in other parts of the country, it depends on the reopening dates and whatnot. But, but Canada has become quite open in terms of businesses being able to operate, at least for now. Um, definitely pent-up demand, but I would say in a longer range view, uh, this is still going to be a very challenging time for many, many brands because of the increased cost and the expected uh, uh, decrease in consumers generally uh, for a variety of reasons. I also just wonder about how much people want to go and congregate in some of these malls or stores. I was in Kitsilano last weekend. I went by a Lululemon there. Um, Huge lineups to get in. I also noticed, though, okay, you know, you have those demarcation points uh, where people stay two meters apart, but there's a lot of families bunched up on every one of those points. And so you had a lot of crowding in that lineup. And to me, there's nothing I want to do less than like go line up and something like that. But what's your take on maybe uh, a lot more of those hardcore sort of uh, shoppers and people that do this, you know, just to take uh, their minds off things a lot of the time? Yeah, I think that a lot of consumers are just seeking a level of normalcy that they may have, uh, you know, enjoyed in the past. Uh, and that's human nature. I mean, I know that many people miss the way things were. Um, I think, you know, what's interesting about lineups is it's it's a bit encouraging because consumers that are going to wait in line for a while probably are not going to leave a retail space empty handed. Uh, quite often in, in, in retail spaces, people were coming in and browsing and, you know, it, to, 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 and this is before COVID-19, of course, it was a, a bit of a pastime. Oh, let's go check out the stores. Now, if you're waiting in line, I, I think that, you know, people are going to, uh, uh, you know, kick themselves if they're not actually buying something. So, so this may not be a bad thing. Um, I know in Vancouver, some of the uh, luxury brands, say even with concessions at Holt Renfrew, have said that um, they are doing extremely high sales right now. And it isn't only just from the in-store uh, customer. Um, they're using things such as WeChat and even just texting with their consumers uh, 
uh, who they're clienting, I guess is the term, and, and are doing, um, in some cases, almost record high sales. And that also goes for Toronto as well. So, so that is very, very encouraging in terms of retail, but not all segments of the retail industry are going to be seeing such a tremendous boost to the point that, you know, Balenciaga last week in Toronto had a record-breaking day since it opened, uh, which is absolutely incredible. And I know that Fendi in Vancouver did very, very well, even when the store was closed, uh, funny enough, because they had products that people wanted and um, they're, you know, collectible, I guess you would say. And uh, they were able to reach out to their consumers, uh, you know, through the mobile phone, essentially, with apps or, 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 or texting, like I said. So, um, but again, not every retailer is going to be able to do that. It's, it's got to be something highly comfortable that, that consumers will, you know, almost do anything to get, essentially. I, I, this might be a tough question, but do you have any guesses as to how many stores, I don't know, percentage-wise will come out of this okay? Or does it just kind of depend region to region? It really depends. Um, it would be tough to quantify that at this point because, you know, different retailers are in different financial positions. Uh, some retailers may end up restructuring or even filing for bankruptcy protection and then come out of this and not close hardly any or or may close no locations. So, uh, I, I know that uh, probably you know most retail brands at this time are at least looking at a restructuring. That doesn't mean they're filing. It just means that certainly they're uh, you know looking at uh, their situation and 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 seeing where they can say costs, cut costs, or uh, find efficiencies, uh, or do something else like perhaps more online sales or, or whatever innovations perhaps that they might come up with. Who knows? But uh, you know it really really depends. Um, you know, it's on strength. I mean, in some cases, the retailers that survive into 2021 themselves, even though they're going to see a loss, uh, is is still going to be uh, remarkable because uh, given some of the lower sales that we're projecting, as well as the higher cost of doing business, uh, the odds are for many uh, businesses, especially small businesses, in theory, stacked against them right now. So uh, again, it's... going to be hard to tell but you know in terms of say I've heard quotes you know shopping centers will have 25 to 30 percent vacancies by 2021 it remains to be seen and that's just one segment I mean street front retail in Vancouver is still very very important be it in neighborhoods or in the downtown core Um, it remains to be seen but there aren't a lot of brands that are not in some way struggling at this point could you imagine a situation where you go down Robson or, or Alberni and you have those empty storefronts and that's prompting significant declines in, you know, how much it costs to lease out those very, very expensive uh, storefronts? Good question. Uh, I think there is going to be an adjustment uh, to leases in certain places. Uh, some spaces will be very highly covetable still. Uh, I'm just thinking, say, we're at Robson and Burrard where Roots and L'Occitane are located and Lululemon which I think is expanding their store. At least that was the plan before. Um, but one of the reasons that many retailers are struggling during this time, those that have physical spaces, is because of rents. Uh, even though there have been government supports put in place, not all landlords have participated. I think the majority actually have not. But uh, uh, the cost of real estate, uh, if anything, is going to take out more businesses. I won't just say retailers. We'll talk you know, food service, even fitness Um, because typically, for the most part, landlords have not said you don't have to pay rent. They're just saying, you know, you can pay rent later, or in some cases they're saying you got to pay it now. Uh, That creates a debt situation. That's something that the uh, business is going to have to make up in terms of a cost uh, in in future dates. It becomes a debt, I guess you would say. 
um, you know, the $40,000 government loan, 10,000 is forgivable, 30,000 isn't. Again, if a business gets that loan, they're going to have that $30,000 debt at some point. So uh, unless businesses can somehow find a spike in revenue, uh, again, the odds are immediately stacked against them in terms of they are at some point going to have debt that they're going to have to repay back. And uh, that is a challenge. So that's that's a long-winded way of saying I, I would suspect that we would see retail leases uh, in various places come down. Uh, I'm also concerned about generally how streets will look when there are more vacancies. I'm just thinking on Robson Street here, there have been a few permanent closures already. Um, one, I won't say which business it was because I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, it has not opened yet and they're saying it won't. So it's a food oh. service business. Uh, they just, I think the whole company is struggling. It's not just a Vancouver issue, but nevertheless, when you have a street with a lot of vacancies, it really, it does affect the perception in, uh, of the consumer saying this isn't, you know, a, it's not a place to be. It's not as vibrant. It's not as desirable. Um, in some cases, it can even lead to a perception that a place is, is unsafe. Uh, that I think poses a challenge to streets and that can happen on some of the best streets in New York city on fifth Avenue. There have been a lot of vacancies. Uh, the rents, uh, in some cases, were quite astronomical. We're talking kind of between Saks Fifth Avenue and up north to Central Park. Um, I, I would think that we would see a reduction in rents, certainly in a lot of commercial spaces moving forward, uh, be it shopping centers or on streets like Robson or Alberni. Uh, now, Alberni Street is positioned high end uh, for the most part. It's, it's considered to be part of the luxury zone, is what some might call it. And uh, if those luxury brands are able to engage with a consumer, like a few of the brands I mentioned there that are luxury brands that have done really well, uh, it remains to be seen. But nevertheless, not all brands on that street, I think, are actually going to make it. Uh, we may see a couple close, and I think one may have already. I just have to confirm it before I say anything. Well, one of the other things that we've seen, though, is, say, the rise of e-commerce, uh, curbside pickup, um, a lot of you know adaptation going on right now with this sector. What has surprised you or maybe what do you think is going to be one of the most profound permanent changes coming for retail after we get past the worst of this pandemic? Well, in terms of things like curbside pickup, uh, what I think is interesting, and I haven't seen it with my own eyes yet, but what I was talking to some brokers, uh, uh, shopping centers are actually in some cases going to have pickup zones where you say if you're driving a car, this is going to be a suburban shopping center, not CF Pacific center, but uh, people will have basically stop points for certain retailers, say in a parking lot of a shopping center, where they'll be able to pick up the items that say they purchased online. Uh, this will, well, I mean, it'll, it'll create some traffic congestion somewhere. Uh, it, it'll be unique. I mean, it'll be good for the consumer in that uh, they'd be able to pick up their items and you know feel like they're at minimal risk of any sort of exposure. But at the same time, if you think about it, uh, shopping center landlords have invested a fortune into creating a great retail experience. And if a person goes into a mall, uh, they may shop at other stores. But if someone's just coming in, picking up their purchase and leaving, they're not going into the mall. Uh, they're also perhaps not buying something else as well that maybe they would have picked up in the mall or, or have gone for it. Orange, does Orange Julius still exist? You know, something like maybe a booster juice or, sure. <laughs> or whatever. Maybe they'll go to the food court and have a meal. But, you know, food courts uh, have certainly been impacted as well. I'm saying when those are back open and operational uh, across the country. Uh, but I think that's one of, of, of many changes that we're going to be seeing to retail uh, just wandering around stores myself, uh, retailers in some cases are giving out face masks and gloves. Uh, I think Nordstrom is doing that around the country. They're, they're very good about that. 
one in Vancouver, of course, downtown. Um, I think one of the uncertainties is if we're going to have a vaccine at some point, I really pray that that all works out. I think that would be tremendous, but I think there is going to be a degree of, of paranoia and concern with the consumer uh, or at least some consumers for, for a time to come. Um, yesterday I was told in Toronto when the bars reopened, uh, they allowed patios. Uh, it was shoulder to shoulder. It's a little bit scary. So uh, this is usually a younger generation. So I think we're seeing a bit of an older generation. Those are a little more cautious being careful uh, some just want to get out and party. So uh, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out in Canada over the next few months. Well, for you personally, I mean, have you been eager to go shop beyond, you know, just the, the essentials that you need? Or I don't know, has there been some reluctance on your own part? Definitely. Uh, I mean, I at this point don't want to catch COVID-19. Uh, also, I don't really think I need a lot of stuff. Obviously, like I am going to go out later and buy some food and some Advil. You know, like, like, but those would be like necessities, put in quotation marks, certainly the food part. But um, in terms of clothing, I mean, uh, I'm working, well, I mean, I, I had a basic work from home situation before, but uh, I, I don't personally need to go out and buy a lot of clothing. Um, I go on camera quite a bit and I've got suit coats and shirts and whatnot. But uh, really, I, I, you know, other than maybe some casual clothing, I heard Lululemon's doing quite well with that. I, I don't need to buy too many things right now. So I've, I've saved some money in the, in the pandemic. I mean, you know, many people have taken a financial hit uh, during this time, but also, you know, the expenses in a lot of respects have gone down as well. So for those that are making the money they were making before, they may be coming out ahead at this point. Well, that's interesting. The other thing that I'm very intrigued by is the potential for AR and VR to kind of come alive in the retail scene. But I wonder if companies are willing to make that investment in technology right now to accommodate users or if they see that this is actually going to be the right time for them to make that investment because things are changing so rapidly. Yeah, that, that's a, and that's a, t a tough question to answer for some because some of that technology can be quite costly. Not all of it, certainly, but uh, the question is, do the, uh, the companies that are looking at it have the budget to be able to implement those technologies. Uh, at the same time, if you think about it, we are in a situation where in some respects, rules can be rewritten. Uh, brands, I think, are able to try new things that they wouldn't have been able to before. Uh, consumers are a little bit open-minded right now, uh, both because COVID has affected our perceptions of reality generally, as well as recent protests around, say, Black Lives Matter. I, I think there is a bit of an awakening uh, with the population right now. And, and with that, I, I, you know, I, I would see brands certainly, in some cases they are, saying, well, the old rules are out the window. Uh, the consumer is new and why don't we try something uh, different ourselves? And uh, say with virtual reality, there is an opportunity to say showcase a product uh, or, or, or something that's being sold. And uh, the consumer doesn't have to have that face-to-face -face interaction, which could put them at risk of some sort of infection. One of the things that you and I, we, we've been talking about for a long time over the years that we've been doing these interviews, though, is ongoing labor concerns within retail uh, right now. And maybe it's almost the opposite issue right now with regards to a, a lot of job losses. But how do you anticipate people coming out of it, uh, being able to regain some of those jobs that have been lost? Or is now the time for a lot of these companies to kind of figure out how they manage the labor issues that they've been dealing with in, in new and innovative ways? 
It's interesting because uh, we saw obviously mass unemployment in Canada uh, with uh, COVID-19. We had stores closed, we had other businesses closed, of course, and uh, literally millions of people uh, went on to some sort of assistance, whether or not it was CERB or uh, employment insurance. Uh, What's interesting now, I've been told in many parts of the country, including in Vancouver, there is a labor shortage. Uh, One of the issues is some people are comfortable collecting government money right now. Uh, There are certainly some that are absolutely just wanting to get back to work. They want to get back to some degree of of normalcy or the way that things were. But uh, the fact is, when you're working with the public, uh, there is more of a risk of contracting uh, COVID-19. That, that I think, is a major concern. So uh, some people, especially say, uh, even if it's a young person, they, they live with their parents or they have someone that might be at risk living at home with cancer, who knows, uh, they may be more hesitant to go back to work. But also we're finding now that some are, uh, and I, I know a few people personally who uh, are, are more content at sitting at home. They're saying, well, this is our summer vacation. We're going to make $2,000 a month. Uh, in some cases, it could be, uh, you know, a couple uh, making $4,000 a month. And, you know, they're each collecting $2,000. Uh, these are monies are, I think, uh, being put in place until August of this year. So I think the end of August. We've got some people just saying, we're just going to take this time off and enjoy it and do whatever. And uh, so this is not good for the labor market uh, in some respects. Uh, there, are, there are some things employers can do. I don't want to give a legal opinion here because I'm you know, not a practicing lawyer. <laughs> but there, there are, you know, if, if a person quits their job, are they going to be eligible for CERB or if they can you know, turn down or deny work? But uh, regardless, uh, I've been told that you know, there, there are labor shortages uh, and that you know, employers are hoping more people will want to come back to work. But there are certainly those that are hesitant. And I'm thinking even with myself, if, say, I worked in a grocery store before this, would I want to go back? I, I don't know. Um, it would be, uh, I, I think it would be a little bit risky, uh, personally. Um, so, but, you know, a lot of businesses have done a lot to uh, implement hygiene, hygiene and sanitization. But nevertheless, we see reports every day in the news saying, you know, three grocery store workers tested positive for COVID-19. There was a Home Depot store north of Toronto where 14 of their employees tested positive. That's wow. a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, that that's a real clear connection that there were infected people either shopping there or an employee had it and spread it to others. We don't know uh, unless contact tracing, you know, is able to figure that out. But regardless, that does indicate that there is a risk. And, and we have seen that with various businesses that have been open throughout this time uh, with COVID-19 or businesses that have recently reopened their doors. Well, British Columbia, we've been on kind of that slow and steady sort of track so far with the reopening of our economy. But we look south of the border, uh, we have cases spiking as much of those southern states have just kind of reopened full force. Um, The thing that I keep thinking about, though, is that not just going to result in, you know, the potential for more hospitalizations, more deaths, and eventually another lockdown. I'm just wondering how you take kind of the response that we've seen from various provincial governments to deal with things in Canada versus other jurisdictions across the world. Well, I'm worried about a second wave. Uh, I did a webinar this morning and we, we talked about this with great concern because uh, we have seen situations and I'm not quite as worried about Vancouver as some places, but we are going to have some, you know, international travel is going to come back eventually. Vancouver is a tourist hub. Um, I, I think that a second wave would be, you know, twice as bad in terms of we would have scared the consumer twice. 
Uh, if we have any sort of shutdowns related to that, businesses are going to suffer that financial loss. Uh, this would just be very, very, very bad news. Um, in terms of uh, what we've seen in in, with shutdowns, uh, I, I really hope they were useful. I mean, basically what we saw was, was a period of uh, many weeks where many businesses were closed. Uh, this pretty much almost decimated the Canadian economy. Um, it's put us into an incredible debt situation that's going to take many, many, many years to get out of. Uh, I, I hope that was not all for nothing. Uh, and, and as we start seeing, say, international travel uh, happening again, uh, I hope that we wouldn't see spikes. Uh, and again, I think in Eastern Canada, this would be a bit more of a challenge in terms of, uh, say, New York State and Michigan and a few others that have a lot of cases. Washington State, which is next to BC, hasn't been impacted nearly as hard as some places. But um, it's been pretty bad in Washington state. I, I will say that uh, 10 times more cases in Washington state than in British Columbia. So a yeah. lot of British Columbians very reluctant to open our borders right now, but I'm sorry, go, go ahead, Craig. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'm thinking with like New York state, I mean, I don't even know what the sure. most yeah, compared to Ontario. It's, yeah. it's gigantic. Like it's absolutely, you know, it's, it's mind blowing how, you know, some states have had, uh, you know, I guess Washington in comparison to Florida is not terrible, but it's right. way, way, way higher <laughs> than British Columbia. British Columbia, I'm really impressed. It, it seems to have uh, uh, overall been able to contain COVID-19 uh, to a degree. And I, and I think that that gives consumers in the province uh, some confidence. And, and I think that's great. Um, I, I would hope that there wouldn't be a complacency or at least a, a, an outbreak again, uh, which could, uh, like I said, be you know very, very detrimental to the economy overall. Uh, and at least the openings and closings are provincially based. So say, you know, if Montreal had a, a massive second wave and Vancouver was perfectly fine, uh, you know, businesses in Vancouver and parts of British Columbia could say stay open during that time. Uh, while businesses in other jurisdictions, such as uh, parts of Quebec, as, again, as an example, would be forced to close. So uh, I would say certainly for, you know, British Columbians, Keep up the good work because you know, and 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 be precautious. Like don't don't be completely afraid of everything. And then you know, I, I would hope people wouldn't have too much anxiety. But uh, you know, keeping things moving, I think, is important. And uh, and maintaining you know distancing, hygiene, whatever else is needed to uh, keep the virus at bay, I think, is really going to be important for personal safety as well as for the general economy. And that really touches almost every single sector. Well, I'll, I'll leave you off with this question because it's also something we've talked a lot about over the years, and that's you know turning malls, turning stores into kind of this experiential sort of deal, you know, where you come in and uh, there, there are events going on or there are exhibits that will draw people in. Is that kind of out the door for the time being? Do you think that strategy could come back in the relative future, or are we just going to have to forget it until there's like a viable vaccine or treatment out there? Yeah, I mean, probably the best retail experience right now is something that's contactless. But traditionally, the retail experience that has been considered desirable has been interesting and has been uh, customer service focused. So um, it's, it's a good question because I, what I'm seeing already now with retail spaces as they reopen is we're seeing stores that are a bit more, say, spaced out. Uh, uh, they, they just... I found they feel more comfortable. Um, again, I was at a Nordstrom rack yesterday. Uh, this, the product was spaced out. It just, it just felt like a very comfortable shopping experience. Way better, I would say, than before. Uh, before, it was very, very crowded. Uh, I haven't been in uh, you know, a Winners or a Marshalls store yet, but I suspect it would be quite the same, whereas typically those stores are just racks and racks and racks of stuff. And 
when things are really, really crowded, they could be a bit anxiety inducing. So uh, in some respects, I think that, you know, the retail experience being one which has, you know, a feeling of safety to it is going to be important. Uh, also, I'm wondering what the future will hold in terms of retail spaces, probably fewer of them being places to experience a brand and the consumer may do things such as uh, go home and buy something that they saw in the store, or they may be able to order it in the store and have it delivered. It seems like delivery now can be done quite quickly. Uh, Sobeys, the grocery store, is uh, they're going to roll this out around the country, uh, like one hour delivery. It's pretty incredible. And uh -huh. if other businesses can can implement something like that, uh, uh, what's the point of going to the store? Well, you know, people we still want to experience some stuff. I don't think people want to sit at home all day. Uh, why not uh, be able to experience the brand and buy it as you want? And Canada Goose has a store in Toronto like that, where, um, which I think probably just opened today, uh, which you go in and you don't actually buy the product and bring it home on the spot. They'll have it shipped to you very, very quickly, like even the same day. But you're going in and you're experiencing the brand. You're learning about it. You're maybe testing a jacket in a cold room that has, you know, the sub-zero temperatures. Uh, or just walking through the snow, uh, you know, or, or, you know, there's, there's different experiential elements to it, but that experience really at this point can't be a crowded one. If that makes sense, you're not going to want to have a, you know, the Apple store type of experience that we saw before where the place was just, you know, almost packed shoulder to shoulder. Uh, that's not going to be considered a good retail experience. I think certainly at this point, I don't know when it will be again. I, I don't think it really was before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought those uh, iPads and those iPhones that already had people's thumbprints were kind of gross enough when I was going to the Apple store. I, I, I don't want to go into an Apple store right now during a pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, I haven't been in one. And again, I'm in a place right now where uh, they haven't been open. Like we're, we're talking like today stores are opening, but I have seen photos in other provinces and you know, with Apple stores, because some have opened, some have actually closed in the United States because of second waves that we're already starting to see. But um, having like, you know, long lineups, they've really spaced people out. Like they might have one person being serviced by an Apple store genius at a table instead of having a table full of people. But that really reduces the capacity of the stores because the sales that are made in some of those Apple stores are, are gigantic. You know, the downtown Vancouver Apple store uh, was doing well over $50 million a year in sales. You know, it might've been closer wow. to a hundred. So uh, you're not going to be able to do that type of volume in that space. But uh, at the same time, a store like Apple has certainly gone online. You can get appointments to get things fixed and they can do things virtually to a degree, which is interesting. I think uh, that had already been the case, but I think that Apple had really uh, amplified that service, but for certain things to fix with hardware, um, I don't know if you can send it away. I, I, personal experience. I'm not sure. I haven't actually done any of this myself or really asked, but, um, you know, for, for, for something like, you know, last year I had to get my keyboard fixed. I popped a letter off because <laughs> I used it too much. I don't know the letter R I think it was, you know, I had to take it in and uh, they just replaced this thing and just gave it back. It was really great. They, they did a good job, but, um, that, you know, was a physical situation in terms of, I went into the store, they fixed it in the store, gave it back you know, can that be done in the future? Possibly. But a lot of the things that, that need to be fixed with the products like this could be done virtually. I mean, Apple is able to, if you grant them permission, go in and, and snoop around your technology, able to find things that aren't working. They're able to work with you to fix it. Uh, so the experience of the future in the store, I, I think is still going to be important. Uh, it's a way to showcase the brand, but uh, you know, in a few years down the road, it might be a situation where you walk into the store to learn about the brand and just, you know, have an experience uh, 
uh, like say with the Dyson store at CF Pacific Center in Vancouver, you can go in and they'll demonstrate vacuums and maybe you didn't get a hair, your hair blown or whatever, you know, they've got that a, as an element there, but you may not necessarily make the purchase in the store, but at some point you're saying, well, I love Dyson. I'm going to, you know, and you may just buy it online somewhere. Uh, so it, it still, I guess, serves that retail purpose, but it doesn't mean that all the sales are being done right in that physical space. Okay. So Craig, maybe I'll squeeze in one last question, but we did find out that Cineplex, Landmark Cinemas, all planning to open up theaters in British Columbia next month. Is this going to be successful? That's right. And I don't think masks are going to be mandated. Um, I kind of get it. It's hard to eat popcorn and drink when you have a mask on, right? I should try yeah. to have a mask here. <laughs> but I, I think it really depends. My, my first thought was, well, no, people are not going to want to go back. But then I started asking people that question. And some people said, I cannot wait to get back into the movie theater. Um, going to movies in Canada isn't quite seen in the same way as the United States. I think that it's much more of a cultural thing in the United States um, than in Canada. But we still have a lot of moviegoers. If you look at the theaters that are uh, across the lower mainland and beyond. So um, I, I think that, you know, if things are spaced apart, I mean, some people just are going to want to get out. They're willing to take that risk and, and different people are willing to take different degrees of risk. Uh, it's really fascinating. Some people are incredibly risk averse and literally will not leave their home at this time. And others are just like, nah, I got, some people call it quarantine fatigue, basically people saying, I'm just going to go out and do what I was doing before. They might take maybe a few precautions or even not, unfortunately. And uh, no, I, I think that, you know, there'll probably be reduced capacity uh, in movie theaters. They may have certain seats blocked off just depending on what they're planning on doing there. But uh, there are certainly going to be some people that are going to come back. Uh, you know, I, I look at my social media a lot, like say Instagram, and I follow a lot of people in uh, British Columbia. Uh, it is quite surprising to you know, it looks like in some respects, life has gotten back to normal for some people. So, and just hopefully, I really hope there's no you know, infection as a result of that, because the last thing I want to see doing what I do is to see the retail industry or restaurants or any other businesses fail just because we fail to protect ourselves and to protect others from this virus. And we have a second wave and this leads to further economic collapse. I think that would be terrible. And I think that, uh, it would be an incredible waste of all of those weeks that we spent indoors, if you think about it. I mean, for a lot of people, that was hard, uh, you know, be it physically or, or psychologically. For me, psychologically, it was tough, you know, and it still is to a degree. I mean, I'm still being cautious at this point. Uh, I, I'm not keen on getting sick, and, and I'm concerned that, you know, it could take me out, uh, you know, sooner than some people if, if I was to get coronavirus. Well, I think that's, you know, a very salient, very cogent uh, point to leave off there. And uh, I think few people could argue with that. And so, uh, Craig, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. That's Craig Patterson. He is Editor-in-Chief at RetailerInsider.com. And for now, that is our show. But we'll be back tomorrow. You can find more stories and more interviews at BIB.com. In the meantime, I want to thank everyone for joining us.